Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Wells, joined today by co-host Dustin Myers. We are partners at Longitude, a hospitality branding and design group. At Future Hospitality, our goal is to interview the brightest minds in the industry, gathering insights, ideas, and inspiration to share with you. If you enjoy the podcast, please be sure to leave us a review. Thank you for your support. In this episode, we have the pleasure of chatting with Tom Parker, co-founder of Fettle, a boutique interior architecture and design firm that specializes in hospitality. During our discussion, we'll find out how Tom and his business partner, Andy, started Fettle and how it's evolved over the years. We'll learn about how they successfully managed the tension between great design and budgetary constraints, and also hear about some of the exciting projects they've been working on that will be opening soon. Well, let's go ahead and jump in. Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Thank you for uh, thank you for having me on. Well, I've been following your work for quite a while now, and um, just really, really cool hospitality projects. So I'm excited to kind of hear some of your journey and um, dig into some of these projects and uh, get to share you guys with our listeners. Thank you. Yeah, it's been been it's funny. It feels like we've been kind of back going back and forth for years trying to work on uh, work on various projects together. So it's uh, yeah, it's good to good to see it all evolving and. Yeah, we, we love we love following what you guys are doing too. So feel it. The feeling's very much mutual. Thank you. Appreciate that. So for those who aren't familiar with Fettle, just give us a little bit of your background, um, how you got to where you are, and a little bit about your company. Well, we uh, have kind of a hospitality, mainly kind of hospitality design firm who also do occasional residential projects. Um, we have an office in London. Uh, which my business partner, so I, I co-founded Feta with my business partner, Andy Goodwin, and he runs all of our European projects. And I'm based in Los Angeles and I run all of our uh, kind of US, um, US work, which is mainly kind of West Coast and LA focused, but we do, we do kind of also do work sort of New York, Miami. Um, so a bit of, a bit of a spread. Um, and we generally tend to do uh, kind of relatively high, higher end hotel projects, um, restaurants, members clubs, um, but we originally actually started, uh, we both uh, are from the UK um, and we, we kind of started on much more like quick turnaround, a lot of fast, casual, um, sort of low, lower end stuff. And it's, it gradually sort of changed over the, over the last five years since we started the company and sort of evolved into into where it is now, um, and made, uh, kind of largely organically as well, which has been, which has been inter- an interesting process. Um, but we do like... We do stuff like you know Hoxton Hoxton hotels and uh, restaurants like Oliveta in Los Angeles, um, Monks in Mayfair in London. Um, we're doing Hoxton Hotel in Rome in Italy at the moment, um, and uh, like Sacco, a project called uh, Sacco for um, a company called Lock, which is really interesting. Apart hotel brand in Munich, so kind of all over, like, all across Europe and all across the states really at the moment. Um, so it's good to see exciting times. For sure. Yeah, I love looking through your guys' portfolio online um, and just seeing the the design of all these spaces you've you've been involved in. And you're definitely, um, you can tell that you guys do really high-end stuff and um, have, you know, a really unique approach uh, to the spaces that you're creating. Um, you know, I, I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about, you know, you, you you already kind of touched on like that journey, um, you know, starting out maybe with more fast casual type stuff or just like in the in a little bit lower end offering. But what was like the transition and what was that journey like 
getting more into like hospitality and diving a lot further into, you know, hotel and, and placemaking and, you know, these spaces you're now working on? It was, it's kind of an interesting one because I guess that like the, the basis approach for, for all kinds of projects is is very similar. You know, you're just trying to make these spaces that are great to be in. And, and often I think the one thing that runs for all of our projects is maybe that we sort of try and create like a, a, sen- a sense of nostalgia and a, almost a sense of a, a lot of our projects have a slightly, even when we were doing the more kind of fast casual, it's quite, they were quite kind of quirky, unusual fast casual projects. But um, even then it was, we were kind of, trying to create almost a time and place and that is one thread that definitely continued into the you know the, the slightly larger um probably slightly slightly higher end projects we're doing now um but when we yeah when we first started we were working on you know from with clients with their very very initial idea that a company one company we worked with um who are, are doing well in london now a kind of pizza company called yard sale and they um we had a mutual friend in common and they we had just had this idea about all leaving their jobs and starting this company. And we had, were very much in a similar position. Andy and I had had just left um, jobs at a, a great company called Martin Brunisky Design Studio. Um, and we were kind of just just starting out and they were kind of in, in the same place we were. And so it had this really uh, exciting sort of dynamic energy to it. And I think that gave us a real taste. We, we both come from a sort of ho- more sort of hotel hospitality slightly probably slightly higher end background martin brunisky does stuff like the beekman hotel in new york and and soho house it was doing soho house and now does you know some some very kind of top projects within the industry but um and that was kind of what we were used to so it was really refreshing because it was almost like a, a kind of fresh start and, and starting from the ground up both with ourselves as a company and and also with our with our clients um but i think it's the you know the level of I think the, the placemaking thing that you touched on um, definitely apl- applies to both uh, both of those worlds, and I think there's a level of like almost honesty and uh, kind of grit to to starting out, like when your clients are starting out on on new ventures, and that is there's just remarkably kind of it's, it's a real buzz. I think that 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 being involved at that stage, I, I imagine you guys must see that probably probably more than we do. Um, because you're you're almost defining companies as they're as they're starting out, um, I guess. Yeah, it's really cool just to be in on those conversations and be in on that process when somebody has an idea and they're trying to bring it to life. And the work that we do um, really creates a lot of that, making it a reality. Uh, at least the the beginning steps of what their company is going to be, and then moving through the different. Uh, interior design and architecture parts of the project is it's just a really fun space to get to work in. Um, I know that our our clients and I'm sure yours are the same way. They're excited about our meetings, um, all the other meetings and hoops you have to jump through to open a business may or may not be that exciting, but uh, we're fortunate to to get to do the exciting stuff. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, I, t- I totally agree. I think those early stages are this is like a level of, yeah, it's ex- exciting, and there's like a level of intensity that you don't always get. Even on projects that we work on, quite often, by the time you're kind of on on your way into construction, that that level of intensity is as like everyone everyone's sort of settled into it a bit, uh, into the project a bit, and it's a bit less, a bit less full on, and there's a bit less kind of passion and uh, you know d- intense discussions and stuff. It's I like, think those those early stages of of projects are. are 
especially new brands are, are fantastic, I think. Definitely. So when you and Andy were deciding to leave uh, the company that you're with and, and start your new agency, your new company, um, what were some of the thoughts in your mind as far as what you aspired to be? Uh, what were your motivations? What did you want Fettle to become? I think um, it's funny because we'd I'd known Andy for probably 10, 10 or 11 years by that point, And we'd worked at previous companies together as well. And it's just something that we'd kind of always sort of thought about doing. So it didn't, it didn't really feel like a, this massive kind of scary jump in a way. It, it was just this thing that had been, we'd, we'd always kind of thought would happen at some point. Um, but I think we, we, we wanted Fettle to be, I think that we wanted it to be, you know, very, very client focused. We didn't want to get to a stage where we had a company where we weren't like involved and, and dealing with clients and having and growing those kind of relationships, which I think sometimes that when you work at bigger companies and it's the same for you guys that you, you go and you go and work at big companies and you lose that kind of day to day, like grow, you know, being involved in projects, being involved with the clients, having this kind of relationship, like ton, tons of our clients, almost, almost all of our clients have become kind of great friends i've got this kind of collection now like our our next door neighbor is the owner of a restaurant that um we did here in los angeles and we became really great friends and then the place came up next door so they've moved to next door and we've got this like network now of both here and in the uk we've got this network of, of great friends i think i think part of it was really that like that connection with the projects connection with the clients you know not you know the, the less of less kind of businessy side of like connection with people I think was important for us and also just um being able to be a bit freer with what what we were designing and have a bit more variety in what we were designing and like you know yard sale and those kind of projects look the the uh the kind of startups uh, you know to work on more of that stuff where you know we, we did have that level of intensity and, and creativity that comes at the very start of a of a an idea or a brand being born I guess yeah, I love the, you know, how you guys have still managed, even with, you know, lower budget projects, still managed to do incredible design, um, you know, within budgetary constraints. And, um, you know, kind of thinking about or, or kind of discussing that, you know, how do you still deliver such impressive design um, um, for your clients, but still managing, you know, the budget, any sort of budgetary constraints you might have for that project? What do you get? What sort of um thinking or methodology or approach you guys take to do that i think um it's one that it's one that obviously comes up a lot um and for, for all uh, you know all industries i guess it is like how how do you get you know everyone wants something that looks amazing but not everyone you know wants to kind of pay top dollar for it and i think it's i i, I think in, in what we do it's really just about being very very sensible and careful about how and where you spend that money and i think there's certain things that we as designers notice that the the general public don't necessarily like they're not maybe subconsciously they pick certain things up for sure but but also there's certain stuff that you just you don't need to spend a ton of money on and i think if you're very careful and very you know just refined about where you know where you make make it make a statement and you know what you invest a bit more time and a bit more money and i think you can have a huge impact on on a, on a sensible budget most you know our most of our clients don't have ridiculous budgets for what they do and often when they do it is more is more complicated we have a residential project on 
um, and it's not it's not an unlimited budget, but it's certainly healthier than a lot of, a lot of our hospitality projects, and that in turn has its own um, own challenges. And I think often budgetary constraints are are beneficial for designers, and definitely for us. Sometimes it's sometimes it makes you think in a different way and work in a different way and use you know materiality differently uh, to how you would if you you know if you had an unlimited budget. I think it's it's got it's definitely got its benefits for sure. Yeah, I think within the creative process, having constraints is often very helpful in in knowing where to go and what solutions to find. So, yeah, um, and it's it's really just really if you had this like you know you, you can just pick anything and and there's no narrative and there's no budget, then I don't know. It's just kind of a bit, it feels kind of a bit pointless in a way. Like I don't know. Yeah, I think I think the, those kind of induced parameters whether whether through design narrative or through budget or through site or through you know client i think they're what make every project unique really yeah absolutely i've i've noticed that like projects that we're doing for ourselves without a client and without the hard restraints that we're trying to work on are often the hardest just because um there's you could do literally anything so it's hard to know what to do yeah, it's 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 incredibly challenging because I imagine when you kind of do do your own, you know, your own your own kind of brand building and your own. Also, when you when you're in the thick of it, from especially when you're when you're working on your own um, kind of collateral in your in your instance, I I can't even imagine how difficult that is. We uh, yeah we we don't deal with that end of work. So we we when we redid our kind of branding and kind of marketing and website and all that a few years ago, we we had. But fortunately, we outsourced it because I think, like you say, without some form of client constraints, it's just I don't know, you're just kind of floating in this endless sea of <laughs> of options, which is quite difficult. I, the work in your portfolio is so impressive. It's very, um, very cutting edge, very modern, but it it does have that nostalgia um, that you talked about. Do you do you ever have tension with clients on pushing ideas that are maybe outside of their comfort zone or not what they were expecting? And how have you been able to navigate that? Um, I think that's a good, that's a good question. I th- we I think probably most, especially more like more so probably in the last year or two, clients are, are more aware when they when they come to us, they're more aware of of what we do as a company. I think, and I think there's our general approach to design is that there's a lot of traditional elements, but then there's usually something a bit, a bit, a bit of a twist on it or a bit unexpected. And it's this kind of balance between, you know, we do a lot of tra- traditional kind of work that has an unusual element in, in some way. And I think most of our clients are aware of that. And, and to be honest, most of, we don't often get kind of calls completely out of the blue. It's usually come through, I, I would say probably 80% of our clients have come through, another client or word of mouth or, or a friend or someone you know someone we've met kind of along the way and so they, they have an awareness of what we do so I think often when we suggest stuff it doesn't always um they're not always necessarily kind of too shocked by some of the stuff we're putting forward um but that said there are there are definitely instances uh where there's there's been a couple this week we had a design presentation yesterday and there's, there's, a, there's always a couple of elements I feel like if you're not if you're not in some way pushing the boundaries of where the clients are comfortable then um then kind of what are they paying you for really they could just design it themselves um 
so I think he, I think surprising them sometimes is is actually a, a, a good thing. Obviously, try not. There's definitely been times where we have scared uh, clients. And I think that's the same for all designers. There's always that kind of dialogue with a client where if one of you gets a bit, you know, one of you gets a bit off track or a bit overexcited, and you present something. They're like, "What on earth?" <laughs> um, but it happens yeah i think it happens less i, I, I think as, as a company i'm sure it's the same for you guys as well like as a as you kind of as you kind of grow and you have this kind of larger and larger body of work that you've completed people are more and more used to you know the, the general parameters with which within which they can expect you to work yeah definitely is there any is there any like Things that you and Andy, you know, through the years, um, you know, kind of looking back, uh, wish you had maybe learned earlier when it comes to the projects that you were involved with and, you know, as far as like dealing with clients or budgets or, um, you know, some of these things we're talking about or, or just in general, anything else you, you know, you wish you'd learned earlier in the process? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I think from my perspective, um, I, I would definitely say that I find that kind of it's not they, these projects we do aren't aren't really about this can sound a bit strange I'm not really thought it through so it might not make any sense but I think that a lot of the projects we do aren't really about design to an extent they're about people and and being able to understand what um, kind of people are trying to achieve and I think if I'd realized that earlier it would have definitely affected how I personally I can't speak for Andy's kind of got a a lot of different a different approach to design in, in many ways um but from, from my own perspective definitely that i think that every project needs to be approached in a different way not only from design perspective but also from like your relationship with a client and what that person is trying to achieve and how they're going to go about achieving that and how they're going to drive you to achieve kind of what they want so in in some ways i think if you know realizing early and it's probably quite our, our line of work is like slightly kind of slightly weird and, and niche in a way but I think that it's if I'd learned earlier that every client and every project you know not one uniform approach won't work on a, on a personality based level one one uniform approach won't work for everyone and for all clients and for all projects I think would have been helpful yeah I think that's really good how are you guys so you've got a, a fairly small team um, with headquartered in London and an office in LA. How are you guys able to work um, across that di- across that distance as a seamless team? I think this is um, this is like a, a really really obviously interesting topic at the moment. But I think we were, just because of how we had originally set up, even when it was just Andy and I, we were in. I was in New York and he was in. London so we've always worked remotely and um, it's definitely at times had its challenges especially early on but I think especially with what's happened in the last year everyone is really starting to realize how easy that is and I I feel like we were very very accidentally one step ahead of that um, because we've always worked in that manner and the way people are working now we've all since day one of the company we've always worked like that we very rarely before before the pandemic, I would, I would travel back and I'd spend probably three months of every year in the UK. Um, but you know, we, we would be in the same place for a, a quarter of the of the year. And, and as the company's grown and we've got you know staff in in and designers in both offices, it's they've got used to working in that way too. Um, so it's it kind of just 
I think when you do something, yeah, if you, if, if you try now, and I think this is probably why maybe other companies have found this period more challenging. If you try and implement something once you're already grown as a company, it's it's just so much harder. But because we've innately done it and not through, I'm not claiming this is any kind of very genius advanced planning. It was just through, you know, personal life um, kind of situations uh, that we were in separate countries and that kind of thing that that forced us into into building the business the way we have yeah um, which which is in turn given us access to you know a lot of our clients in LA reference our London projects and a lot of people in London come to us because of the aesthetic effect having a on our work that having the work in America has it's definitely changed what we do as a company and and vice versa as well so I think it's out of a a, a sort of geographical situation it, it's built an aspect to the business that we may not have had otherwise yeah that's 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 really cool i think you guys were definitely uh situated well for you know the going through a pandemic and you know being able to already you know pivot your not really need to pivot really the the way you structure your business so that's really cool to hear that um you know, looking back at, at your whole portfolio um, online, you know, you have a number of projects on there and I'm sure you have many more that aren't even on there, but what are, you know, some of the most, or, or what are some of the projects that you're most proud of or things that you and your team have accomplished or done that you're most proud of? Um, I think that the, probably the variety, I, I really like the variety of clients um, that we work with just because it's, you know, there's some really huge well-known brands that we work with but also you know one-off we've got some great one-off restaurant operators and I think that it's really nice to have that kind of input from the kind of different ends of the spectrum in a way and I think one teaches you a lot about the other and I think to it's been very hard to maintain that so I, I would say that I think we're proud of as a company we're, we're proud of having been able to work with you know we still work we still work with startups and kind of brand new companies we work with like some some kind of well-known larger brands and and you know one-off restaurateurs and kind of everything in between and the occasional um residential projects as well and i I think it's very easy and to almost fall into a certain niche of of you know we maybe you fall into you kind of just end up just doing a specific type of hotel project or you end up doing just you know you work on these small startups but it's, it's quite we have we've had to quite consciously manage both uh both ends of the spectrum to keep both ends moving and to complete projects in in both kind of sides of that spectrum and i think that's um probably the, one of the few things that consciously we've we've done that, that we are definitely quite pleased with you know you're doing stuff like the you know yard sale in the early days and even even um Olivetta in LA um, was with is they're a kind of one-off restaurant client really that we've really kind of started and grown with and then you know we're also working with Fox and Hotels and doing Maslow's um, Soho we're working on at the moment in London so it's a real kind of wide range of scale of company um, which I feel I feel like we've learned a lot from doing that consciously as well. Yeah, I think that that probably keeps you guys fresh and keeps all the different perspectives in mind as you're approaching new projects that you're not just um, stuck in one type, but that there is variety and that that probably keeps it interesting for you, but also um, 
the different experiences all funnel into the new projects to make them as good as they can be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like some of the stuff, some of the ideas we come across working with the, you know, with the Hoxtons are are amazingly helpful. Applying those to the the this the kind of new new startups because you know Hoxton and it's more you know grew from grew from this this one idea and and they've grown into this kind of fantastic but but big company that that do these great worldwide projects and kind of they've 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 successfully transitioned from one end of our client spectrum to the other we we weren't working with them in the early days so i can't claim any credit for that but um but uh but yeah it's just really interesting to see how you know the, this kind of path of the company's taken I think I don't know, I've definitely learned a lot about both about design, but also about business as we grow as a company as well. Definitely. If you if you could dream up your perfect project, um, what would you be excited about working on, and what would that look like? I think it could be quite a kind of a mix of a mix of things. I think that it would definitely be there definitely be kind of a sustainability element to it, and also probably a kind of creative sort of creative reuse element i think a lot of the projects we do that i personally find more kind of satisfying are where you know you're you're sort of um taking like an older taking an older building that's maybe kind of fallen by the wayside and then and kind of bringing it back to life again so i think it would be a sort of sustainable creative reuse um, a sustainable creative reuse project, really, and that that we have we've got a few actually. We've had a few inquiries recently along those lines, and I think that's um, just it's such an exciting field. I think especially now people are seeing you've seen these huge kind of creative reuse projects be extremely successful. Like you know, like the High Line in New York is a very very obvious example. But you know, people re- people refreshing parts of cities and and buildings that um, you know once had this some kind of glory, but have fallen kind of you know into into not not necessarily into disrepair but just into kind of generic blandness or or you know being under underused and they can there's so i feel like there's so many spaces within every city um that 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 can be a that can be a benefit and people get to use these great spaces again yeah that, those types of projects are really cool uh mm. to to look into and and see how they've um, managed to do such unique things with you know specific constraints and and things like yeah. that. So that's really cool to hear that. You know, looking ahead, kind of into the future of of the industry, and then into the future of uh, Fettle. Um, you, you've already mentioned, I think, a couple um, projects you guys are currently working on. But are you able to share anything about um, any upcoming projects that are are really unique or really cool? Um, yeah, um, definitely. We we've got. We've got like a few, a few kind of interesting bits, a couple of bits that we've been on for a while that are finishing pretty soon, like um, like Hoxton in Rome, for example. Um, we're also working on a really interesting project in LA called the Georgian Hotel, which is this old 1933 built um, kind of deco uh, building on Ocean, overlooking uh, on Ocean Avenue, overlooking the the sea in it at the time had this great history of being this sort of apartment hotel that people would from people from Hollywood would go, which seems mad because only a few miles, but they'd go and spend the summers at this building in, uh, in Santa Monica. So we're working on the refurbishment of that, uh, which I think is 
probably scheduled to open um, late this summer. And then in, in London, we've got a few really interesting bits over there as well, uh, probably most notably of which is um, a, a group called Maslow's, uh, who already have one site called Mortimer House. Um, we're, we're working on their second project um, at the moment, also in also in London. And that's the kind of a great, again, a great uh, historic uh, early early 1900s building. Um, and they their concept is sort of... Um, Member, sort of members, members co-working with great food and beverage offerings, uh, and it's, it's again a really interesting project. It's just it's great, this amazing kind of shell of a sort of Edwardian Baroque building. Um, so it's really again a really interesting kind of ties in with what we were talking about before in terms of reuse projects. Um, it's yeah, bringing bringing a bit of the good old days back to these historic buildings that have been kind of broken up and used as offices and different things is really interesting. Yeah, that'll be exciting to see how all of that comes out. We'll definitely be watching for that. You're living yeah, the keep, dream, keep you too. Posted. Well, I don't know about that. It doesn't always feel like it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that's, just, that's the same for everyone, isn't it? It's very easy to look elsewhere. And go, oh, they're doing a great job. Uh, there's companies I look at that um, I just thought, oh, man, look, look, they, these guys are just doing the most amazing work. Like, how, do they, how do they do it? And then, um, you know, it's just it's funny. Every, everyone, I think it's so easy, isn't it, to be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great over there and then you're like in reality it's probably equally as tough as it is everywhere definitely last year was pretty tough on the hospitality industry um, it feels like we're starting to get our feet back under us and um, starting to see some life again as you look to the future of the industry what do you think is going to shape that or what do you think is um, that we're going to be seeing in that I think I think I think there's some very obvious things that are gonna are going to shape the industry, but I also think I mean obviously last year has been a, a nightmare for a lot of a lot of people, and in, there's been times where as us as business owners have also it's been very very difficult, and projects have stopped and gone on hold, and everyone's I think everyone's had a, a rough time, but I think in terms of moving forwards, obviously I think obviously sustainability and, and technology um, will, will for sure have an impact. Um, but I also think that this time is, and it's something I think that I personally always thought about a lot, but I think this time has also made everyone realise how important sort of human connection is. And although a lot of, you know, hotel, you know, a lot of these places are going kind of te- technology based and, and sort of people and service free, I, I do think that um, for, on a personal level, it's definitely made me realise how how important the, the kind of interaction and, and human connection is. And I think the more technology develops, the more people also are becoming aware of the the dangers, uh, the dangers of that. And I think it's selective. I think selective use of these uh, developments in technology, um, but then also kind of being very aware of the the importance of human and it kind of interaction and connection and, and the importance of people, all done in in a kind of sustainable way. I think is probably I can't obviously I can't speak for the whole industry, but I think it's definitely something that our clients are, are talking to us about um at the moment and and you know where that's going so yeah a bit of a, a bit of a mix really i guess yeah that's i think that this sustainability and technology um, is definitely going to play a role in kind of the recovery and um, just how things are going going to be looking moving forward so i'm excited to 
to see how you guys navigate that and um, just the power of design on a space, um, I think is a really, a really neat thing to watch evolve. So um, I think that kind of wraps it up. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for your insights. It was a pleasure um, just getting to learn more about your background and um, some of the things that you have on the horizon. We're definitely going to keep watching what you guys do and um, hope you keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. I mean, thank you for thank you for having me on uh, on the podcast. I've listened to pretty much uh, pretty much every episode. I've learned, learned a bunch from it. So it's uh, yeah, it's nice to nice to be on it and hopefully get to work with you guys on some of these upcoming projects as well. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. It's good to hear that at least one person's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely, I've listened, I've listened to pretty much every, everyone so far, so keep them coming. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Tom. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Future Hospitality Podcast. If you enjoyed today's topic and episode, please leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more about Longitude, you can visit longitudebranding.com to see our portfolio of design work, read our insights blog, and learn more about our team. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Longitude Branding.